you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and pick them up. Turn to Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let me read several definitions I wrote down here regarding feigning, to sink into dejection, to lose courage, to become depressed, to yield to fear and worry. The David, the psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. You know, that's the case with a lot of Christians today. In fact, we could all say that. I would faint if I didn't believe that I was about to see the goodness of the Lord. I mean, if you believe the goodness of the Lord is on his agenda for us this year. Can you say amen? More of his goodness than we have ever seen or experienced before. On January the 1st, New Year's Day, I received this from the Lord. 2020 is now over and the new year has finally come. So get ready for more and more rejoicing in 2021. The things that I have planned will surely bring you great joy. Blessing after blessing after blessing. That's what I will deploy. Never have you witnessed such goodness that you shall soon see. I'm pouring it out in abundance so that you will have greater victories. Things you've stood in faith for that seem would never come. They'll manifest shortly and every battle will be won. Keep your eyes on me and your trust in my word. And regardless of what others say, you'll not be disturbed. A year of great favor, that's what you'll testify to, for abundant overflow is surely coming to you. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank God for it. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Now, I know by the written word and I know by the prophetic word that the goodness of the Lord is about to be revealed like we've never experienced it before. Now I can testify and you've heard me say it many times. God has been good to Jerry Seville. I don't know why I'm his favorite child, I just am. But no, that's the way you should feel as well. But he's been extremely good to me ever since the day I surrendered my life to him, February the 11th, 1969. And it's just got gooder and gooder and gooder every year. But according to what I'm seeing from the Word and what I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit, we haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. But Brother Jerry, haven't you been watching the news? No. 
I'm not interested in what they say unless they start agreeing with what God says. Amen. CNN is not my source. Fox News is not my source. NBC, ABC, and all the rest, they're not my source. Amen. I'm keeping my eyes focused on God's Word. And regardless of what's happening around us, we have the right to believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So lift your hands and thank Him in advance that that's what you're going to see. Praise God. Father, we thank You in advance that we are headed for days of an outpouring of Your goodness like we've never experienced before. And we're thanking You in advance for it with a great shout and great praise and great thanksgiving. Come on, do it right now. Give him a great shout. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. All right, you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Good to see all of you this morning. See, we've got some out-of-town guests that have come in. And uh, we are so thrilled that you're here. Now, my instructions from the Holy Spirit today is to begin today and continue next Sunday when I'm here talking about the goodness of the Lord and coming in an unprecedented way. But my first instructions are this. Go back and teach in laying a foundation on the basic principles of the life of faith. The basic principles of the life of faith. Now, I learned this come next month, 52 years ago. And I've been living this way ever since. It was Kenneth Copeland who brought the message of faith to me the first time I heard him preach. And the moment I heard it, even though I knew nothing about faith, I knew nothing or very little about the Word of God, I knew what I was hearing was truth. And I... And I I went headlong into it. And I haven't backed up since. And then he introduced me to the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin has been, it's been said of Kenneth Hagin that he was like the father of the faith movement. I don't like the word movement, but that's how they would refer to him. God raised him up from a deathbed. And said, teach my people faith. Brother Hagin was faithful to do that up until the day he went home to be with the Lord. I still, to this day, I listen to Kenneth Hagin almost every day. I never get tired of hearing him teach on faith. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You, you can't keep listening to teachings on faith and your faith not grow. Amen. Faith doth not come by watching CNN. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. And hearing the Word of God. And then hearing the Word of God. If you are on the verge of fainting, then I know what your problem is. You're listening and watching the wrong things. Amen. You're listening to and watching 
the wrong things. You're spending too much time in front of that television set. Sometimes you need to just turn your iPhone off. You know, there is a off button. I've heard several people in the last several days say, what I'm hearing on the news is stressing me out. Well, there is a solution. Turn it off. It's like I told the staff in the staff meeting the other day. I said, you know, it's like the man who went to the doctor and he said, "Uh, Doc, every time I do this, it really hurts. The doctor said, stop doing that. (laughs) Amen. There's an easy solution. Stop doing that. If it's stressing you out, then walk away from it. Amen. Don't feed on that all day long. Because if you do, then things are looking bad and they're looking worse. And they're going to get worse. I'm not saying that trouble is not coming. And I'm not saying that we're immune to adversity. As long as we're in the world, we will be faced with tribulation, tests, and trials. But we don't have to be defeated by them. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, is that the best cheer you've got? Demonstrate a little cheer. Hallelujah. All right, now, I want us to open our Bibles to the 11th chapter of Mark. And, And I'm laying a foundation here by teaching, first of all, some of the basic principles of the God kind of faith, the life of faith. Mark, the 11th chapter, Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God. Look at your neighbor and tell them, have faith in God. There are other translations that say, have the faith of God. And still another translation says, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. So apparently it is possible for you and me to have the God kind of faith. Now, one of the basic principles of operating in the God kind of faith is this. You're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you hear. And you're not moved by what you feel. That is faith 101. It's as basic as you can get. First time I heard Kenneth Copeland say that, back in 1969, I'm not moved. Now, I didn't realize at the time he was quoting Smith Wigglesworth. Because I think Smith Wigglesworth was probably one of the first who made that statement. Brother Copeland said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. And I'm not moved by what I feel. I thought, boy, I am. Because at that time I was. Whatever I heard moved me. Whatever I saw moved me. However I felt moved me. But I didn't know any better. I hadn't been taught the word yet. But when he said, I'm not moved by what I see, I'm not moved by what I hear, and I'm not moved by what I feel. And then he added this, I'm only moved by what I believe, and I believe the word of God. And I I wrote down in my notes, I'm going to get to that place in my life. 
where I'm not moved by what I see, I'm not moved by what I hear, and I'm not moved by what I feel. I will only be moved what I believe, and I'll believe the Word of God. So that's elementary. That's, that's, that's as basic as the life of faith gets. Now, Jesus teaches that to be moved by your five physical senses is the same thing as actually being faithless. Go to John chapter 20 with me. John chapter 20. And you remember the story when Jesus was raised from the dead. He appeared to some of the disciples. And uh, they went and told one of the other disciples. And he said, Thomas, he said, I will not believe unless I see, unless I feel. Look at John chapter 20 and verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see, remember what he says here, Except I shall see in the hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. So what is he saying? If I can't see it, I won't believe it. So what is his faithless life built on? Seeing something. Feeling something, hearing something. And he said, if I can't, if I can't perceive it with my five physical senses, then I will not believe. Now, there are a lot of Christians like that today. If they can't see it, if they can't hear it, if they can't feel it, then they choose not to believe. But Jesus said to him, notice this, verse 22. He said to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. So once again, Jesus teaches that if you have to see it first, hear it, or feel it before you believe, then he considers you to be faithless. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. I'm talking to you about basic principles of the God kind of faith. Now, another translation, well, let me, let me go on with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. The Amplified says, not by appearance. Not by appearance, the way things appear. See, if you look at how things appear right now, it'd be hard for you to believe that the goodness of the Lord is on its way. Unprecedented goodness. Goodness like we've never experienced before. If you base everything on what you're seeing and hearing right now, then it's going to be hard for you to accept this. You, you won't believe it. Why? Because you're basing what you believe on what you can see and what you've heard. That's contrary 
to the life of faith. Amen? Folks, I'm not making this up. It's here right in the Bible. This is where I've lived for 52 years now. Amen. Now, notice once again, we walk by faith and not by sight or not by appearance. Appearance means the outward or visible aspect of a thing. Or the visible and outward aspect of an event. If you look at all the events that are taking place right now, not only in our nation, but all over the world. And that's final authority in your life. Because that's what they say. Then you will not be able to believe, you will not choose to believe that on God's agenda in the days ahead is an outpouring of unprecedented goodness. But I choose to believe it. I receive it. And I'm going to have it. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, me too. Praise God. Now, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Once again, I'm laying a foundation. I don't want to assume anything. Because you know, there's a lot of people that haven't heard the basics yet. We, we assume a lot of times they have. But there's new people coming in all the time. And they haven't heard the basics of the life of faith. So look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. And here is where the prophet Samuel is going to Jesse's house. Not Duplantis, another Jesse. And... Uh, <laughs> And he, his assignment is to anoint the next king of Israel. And so he asked Samuel to bring in all of his boys. And so Samuel brought all the boys in except David. Now, why didn't he bring David? He was one of his sons. Because he assumed it couldn't possibly be David. He's just a shepherd's boy. Amen? A shepherd boy. So he didn't even bother bringing him before Samuel. So Samuel went down the line, and I'm paraphrasing this. He went down the line and looked at all these boys and decided there, there's not, the, the, the next king is not one of these guys. And he says, do you have any other sons? And he says, I have one more. But he's just a ruddy youth. He's out there with the sheep. In other words, it couldn't be him. But Samuel instructed him, bring him to me. And when he brought him to him, it says in verse 7, Behold, the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. In other words, don't be moved by what you see. Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, Because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For a man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So notice this basic elementary principle of operating in the God kind of faith. You don't move on appearances. 
You don't allow the appearance of something to be final authority. Amen. Amen. You have to look through the eye of faith. The eye of faith. Brother Copeland tells the story, and I heard him tell this back there in 1969. He tells the story that he was preaching over at Grace Temple, Harold Nichols, and uh, in those early days. And he was doing several nights of meetings. John and Kelly were real young, John being just a, just a really young boy. And uh, John said, uh, Daddy, after listening to you, isn't it wonderful we have three eyes? Brother Copeland thought for a moment and said, where do you get that? He said, these two and the eye of faith. Now that came out of a child. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you waiting on? <laughs> Isn't it good we have three eyes? These two and the eye of faith. Amen. Looking through the eye of faith. Amen. And so notice here, Samuel was not to be governed by the outward appearance. Once again, that is a basic principle of the life of faith. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I feel like I'm in Bible school today. And look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now, how can you see something that's not seen? Through that third eye, the eye of faith. Amen. Why? Because the things which are seen are temporal. I was reading that one day, Brother Copeland and I, when I was uh, working with him, and he began having me teach the morning services in his meetings. And we were in Birmingham, Alabama. And he was teaching that morning. And then I was, uh, I'm sorry, he was teaching that evening. And the next morning, I was to do the morning service. And I'm, I'm reading the word in my room before going out in that service. And I'm reading this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.18. Things which are seen are temporal. Things which are seen are temporal. And I'm meditating on that. Temporal. Temporal. Temporary, temporary, not permanent, not permanent. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say this, subject to change. Oh, I come undone. I got over that meeting and I started preaching on things which are seen are subject to change. And Brother Copeland jumped up and said, boy, why didn't you tell me this a long time ago? I said, I just heard it. <laughs> things which are seen are subject to change. Oh, I can't tell you how many victories I've won off of that one revelation. Things which are seen are subject to change. Hallelujah. If you can see it, if you can hear it, if you can feel it, if you can perceive it with your five physical senses, it is subject to change. Jesus proved this in his earthly ministry. 
Blindness was subject to change. Leprosy was subject to change. Mountains are subject to change. That's the way he lived. These are the basic principles of the life of faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Don't base your belief on what you can see. In other words, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. There's a lot of things going on in the spirit realm right now we can't see. This room is full of angels. How many of you have seen them lately? I've been preaching at times and people afterwards would say, I saw your angel tonight. He's big. I said, thank God he is. <laughs> Remember, we were in Hot Springs, Arkansas one time down there on Main Street and we was in this building and, uh, you know, Hot Springs has is, is got a lot of street people, a lot of drunks and alcoholics and so forth. And I'm preaching and this, this guy staggered in the room and he just come through there like this, you know, and, and he, and he laid down on two chairs up near the front, just laid down, passed out. <laughs> and, and so I'm preaching along there and, uh, uh, I said something and he, he, and he, he just woke up and responded to it. In other words, I, I was, I was actually teaching on how the life of faith is like trying to go upstream in a canoe, going against the grain. And I said, what do you need to do if you're in a canoe going against the stream? He woke up and said, get a paddle, brother. (laughs) And then he went, he passed out again. Everybody, it just broke the place up, you know. But then he woke up and he got, his eyes got about this big. And I thought, what in the world's going on with him? And he come up and he said, I saw somebody standing behind you. I said, who? He said, I don't know, but he was big. He said, and he'd lean over and whisper something in your ear and you just come undone. I said, that was my angel. A drunk saw my angel. Why aren't the rest of you seeing my angel? Every one of us have a guardian angel. Thank God for that. I'd have been dead a long time ago if it hadn't been for that guardian angel. I know many times he saved my life when I was a young boy. Well, there's nowhere in the Bible says when you become an adult, you lose him. He's still with me. He's still with you. Amen. Hallelujah. How many angels do you suppose are in here right now? Because the Bible says they hearken unto God's word. When I'm preaching God's word, they're listening. They're listening. Wouldn't it be something you would reach out and touch them? Well, we may not be able to do that, but that doesn't mean they're not here. Amen. How many of you know of situations in your life where it had to be your guardian angel that protected you? Or you wouldn't even be here today. Amen. So just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Can you say amen? Amen. 
let's look at an example. Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. Once again, I'm going to keep repeating this. We're talking about the basic principles of operating in the God kind of faith. Because Jesus said that's what we need. Have it. Second Kings chapter six. And this is the story. of Elijah and uh, Elijah is able to hear and see what this evil king is plotting and this king thinks it's somebody in his own camp that is betraying him because what Elijah saw was exactly what was happening and so he, this king wants somebody to find out who's the traitor here. Well, nevertheless, they sent chariots and horses and so forth. And, and they, they had told the king that it's, it's the prophet. He knows what's going on even in your bed chambers. So they sent after him. And they sent chariots. And they sent horses and so forth. And then it says... In verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. They've circled the city. Okay? And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, My master, what shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. (laughs) Don't you know that servant thought, There he goes again. It's something them birds are bringing him that he's eating. He gets a little nutty every once in a while. How could there possibly be more of us than there are them? And then he counts. Elijah and me, two. Then he looks out there and sees the whole city compassed about with horses and chariots. But then the prophet says, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. That's my prayer for all of you in here this morning. Lord, open their eyes that they might see. That there's more going on in the spirit realm than in the natural realm. And what's going on in the spirit realm is about to manifest in the natural realm. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank God in advance for it. Praise God. And the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Now notice, they were there all the time. But this young man couldn't see it. Something was happening in the spirit realm. And he couldn't see it. Something's happening in the spirit realm right now. While I'm standing behind this podium and speaking to you, something is happening in the spirit realm. 
even though we can't see it. But trust me, it's happening. God will never allow the devil to get the upper hand. The Bible even says, when sin abounds, grace does much more. Hallelujah. In other words, God is not going to allow the devil to have the final say in this. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm speaking prophetically. And I told Carolyn recently, and Cherry Ann was laughing about it. I said, you know, it seems like most of the prophets today, and I I use that loosely because so many of them are self-appointed. Not all of them. I've never heard of so many prophets in my 52 years of ministry. There are more prophets today than there are people. <laughs> and they all have a word. If, if you go on your uh, uh, YouTube, I guess it is, and just look up one prophet and what they said. How many of you noticed that eventually it, it just keeps pulling up more and more prophets? More and more prophets. In fact, mine, a couple of days ago, it was just one, I was showing Carolyn last night, just one after the other. And some of them, dear God. I don't know where God found these people. And I told Carolyn, I said, well, you know, Brother Copeland prophesied over me back in 1981 that God was moving me into a new dimension of ministry and that I would become a seer into the spirit realm. And whatever I saw, God would hold me responsible for sharing it with the body of Christ everywhere he sends me. So that began happening way back in 1981. I didn't ask for it. I'm just minding my own business. And, and God moved me into this realm. And it's been happening all these years. Brother Hagen. uh, uh, called me out in the meeting and prophesied over me regarding that same thing. And Oral Roberts did the same thing. My three primary mentors all saw it within months of each other and voiced it publicly. And then, uh, uh, oh, sometime year before last, Brother Copeland said, you know, I've never laid hands on you and publicly set you apart into that ministry. And I want to do it during the Believers' Convention last year. Some of you were there, and Brother Copeland uh, called me up and laid hands on me and, and separated me into that ministry. Okay? Now, he, he said God showed him that I was a prophet. I was in the office of the prophet as well as apostle. I don't go around calling myself a prophet all the time. I do see things in the spirit. And what I see, I I communicate. I bring it to you. I bring it to the rest of the world. There are many churches around the world that eagerly await my message of what I saw in the Spirit. 
And then they begin preaching in their churches. But I told Carolyn, I said, you know, I must be a minor prophet. Because I don't scream and shout. And I'm not demonstrative. And I'm not dramatic. I say the Lord. I just bring it to you quietly, you know, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Goodness is on its way, hallelujah. <laughs> it's just not my nature to be like that. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's not my nature. So apparently, I'm a minor prophet. <laughs> However, what I say that I have seen comes to pass. Now, somebody said to me the other day, Brother Jerry, uh, you prophesied that Donald Trump would be in office another four years. I have never prophesied that. I have never said that in this church, and I've never said it anywhere else I've preached anywhere in the world. Now, I might have said not publicly, but I might have said to individuals, well, I'd like for him to win another term. But I have never stood before an audience and said, God showed me. You know why? Because God never showed me. <laughs> I would like for him to serve another term, but I never prophesied it. And if I did, it would be like this. God showed me. <laughs> Not, God showed me. Trump will be the next four years. Hallelujah. That's just that's just not me. And you know, I, I get a little tickled. You know, I've been in this long enough to see. So many weird things come through the body of Christ year after year after year. <laughs> You've been in this a long time too, haven't you? Dear God. They come and they go. <laughs> and, and I'm wondering if... I'm wondering what Isaiah was like when he prophesied. What was Jeremiah like when he prophesied? What was Ezekiel like when he prophesied? Some of these guys, they got more prophecies than a Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, all of them. They ought to have their own book in the Bible with all these prophecies. It bothers me sometimes. I'm just being honest. Anybody care about being honest. It, it bothers me sometimes when every time you see somebody, they got a word. They got a word. They had a vision. Makes you wonder, what's wrong with me? <laughs> One guy woke me up 
three o'clock in the morning, Anaheim, California. I don't know how I got how I got my room number. Brother Jerry, I'm down in the lobby. I'm waiting on you to obey God. You have a word for me? I said, Yeah, I do. Go home. <laughs> I hung up on him. He he said, God told me you were going to pay my house off. I said, well, if God had told me that, I'd pay your house off. But he didn't tell me that, so go home. (laughs) Amen. Okay, back to my subject. (laughs) Got that out of me. (laughs) Okay. So notice this basic principle of faith is not moved by what we see, not moved by what we hear, and not moved by what we feel. From this, we can understand that there are things happening in the spirit realm that can't be seen with the natural eyes. But they're getting ready to be revealed. They're getting ready to manifest. This is why the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, God calleth those things that be not as though they were. And Paul gives the example of this with Abraham. He says, God speaking and and Paul writing, I have made thee a father of many nations. And notice God was saying that to Abraham before Sarah had ever conceived. Notice he said, I've made thee, past tense. He's calling things that be not as though they were. That's the God kind of faith. Uh, The message translation says, Abraham was father, was named father. Let me start over. Abraham was first named father and then became a father. God said it first and then it happened. God is telling us that I'm about to pour my goodness out on my people like never before. He said it first. Now it's about to happen. Hallelujah. However, if you faint because everything is happening around you, then you may not see that goodness. David said, I would have fainted unless I had believed. Lift your hands right now and say this with me. Lord, I choose to believe regardless of what I see, regardless of what I hear, and regardless of how I feel. I choose to believe that I will see unprecedented goodness in the name of Jesus. And add to it this year. And give him a good shout. Hallelujah. God's already spoken some things to us about what we are to expect to take place. That's why we must stay focused on what he says and not on what the media says. Contrary to what it presently looks like, God has some wonderful things in store. The verse that Justin mentions quite often, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the message translation says, God speaking, I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you and not abandon you, plans to give you the the future that you've hoped for. That's God's plans. Amen? And God is not a man that he should lie. 
Can you say amen? amen? Now, the word which the Holy Spirit has given us for 2021 is that he will bring about abundant increase, uh, abundant overflow. I'm already receiving testimonies from people that it's already happening in their lives. Amen. Some of you might be thinking, but Brother Jerry, how could, how could God do this in times like these? Well, let me just answer that with this. Study your Bible again, and you'll find out that God's been doing things like this for a long time. He hasn't forgotten how to do it again. And the fact is, He's God, and nothing is impossible unto Him. Amen? If you believe that, shout amen. Now, you remember, once again, the things I've been saying up to this point regarding operating in the basic principles of the God kind of faith. Don't be moved by what you see, hear, or feel. Trust God this morning to open your eyes to what's happening in the spirit realm. Will you do that? You must receive a revelation of the fact that God is the author of abundance and not lack. He's the author of abundance and not lack. Lack is under the curse. And Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us that we are redeemed. I mean, uh, Galatians chapter 3 tells us that we are redeemed from the curse. Deuteronomy says lack is under the curse. But we are redeemed from the curse. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 48, it says that one of the things under the curse is to be in want of all things. That's lack. That's poverty. To be in want of all things. But Paul says in Galatians 3, 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. Amen. Abundance for God's children has always been his plan. Deuteronomy 28, 11, talking about the blessing. The Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. That's abundance. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5. The children of Israel brought abundance, the first fruits, brought in abundance, the first fruits, and all the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. Where did all this abundance come from? It came from God. Psalm 36, verse 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Talking about God. Talking about his children. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And the word fatness here in the little Hebrew means abundance. From the abundance of your house. Hallelujah. How many of you know there's abundance in God's house? Another revelation that you must have is abundance is the very nature of God. It's the very nature of God. Moses proclaimed in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and in truth. Notice it's the very nature of God. Abundance, the Amplified says, He's abundant in loving kindness. Psalm 132, 15, I will abundantly bless your provision. I will abundantly 
bless your provision. Provision. The message translation says, I will shower blessings on you. Shower blessings. The word shower means a sudden downpour of blessings. Hallelujah. A sudden downpour of blessing. That sounds like abundant overflow to me. Another phrase that can be used here to describe shower down blessings is to do so lavishly and profusely. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's the nature of God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now unto him, God, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's describing the nature of God. His nature is abundance. There's no lack in him. Lack doesn't come from him. Somebody ought to shout, thank God for that. His absolute best is for you and I to experience abundance. Now, before we go any further, what is abundance according to the Bible? What is abundance? It's a manifestation of God's goodness. It's a manifestation of God's goodness. Hallelujah. And folks, it's about to be poured out on us as never before. Let me read just a portion of the word that was given to me on January the 1st. He said, The things I have planned will surely bring you great joy, blessing after blessing after blessing. That's what I will deploy. Never have you witnessed such goodness that you shall soon see I'm pouring it out in abundance so that you will have greater victories. Amen. Now, wrapping it up for this session, Psalm 119, verse 68. Thou art good and doest good. You are good, speaking of God. And you do good. The message translation says, you are good and you're the source of good. Good comes from God, not the adversary. Source means the place where something begins, where it springs into being. It also means something uh, where something originates and where it is initiated. Good comes from God. He's the source of good. James 1.17, the American Standard Version says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Hallelujah. Every good and every perfect gift is from the Father. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. That's the reason I know my wife came from God. She's a good and perfect gift. Hallelujah. Now, Romans chapter 12, contrary to what a lot of people believe, I'm talking about religious people, they think Satan brings good things into our lives. No, he's not capable of doing that. It says, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. The word abhor means despise, loathe, detest, cast off, and reject. Lack, poverty, is to be despised. 
It's not a good thing and it doesn't come from God. Now, God loves the poor. God loves those that, that uh, uh, are in need of all things. But it's not his will that they live that way for the, all of their lives. He's redeemed them from that. Can you say amen? amen? So if it's evil, if it's bad, then reject it. Don't say, well, God made me this way. No, he didn't. Amen. Satan is the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the one that keeps people oppressed and in lack of all things. But God is good and he's the source of good. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Can you say amen? Now, Psalm 21.4 from the message translation, and David is, is speaking about what God has done for him. He says, I wanted a good life from the message translation, and you gave it to me. You filled my arms with gifts. You piled blessings on me. And then finally he declares, is there any wonder that I, the king, loves God. Is there any wonder why I love God? Because he's been so good to me. And then in Psalm 107, four different times, it says this. Verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah. Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah 46, 9, speaking of God or in behalf of God, I am God and there is none like me. The New International Version says, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. That's from Psalm 31, 19. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear or reverence you. Stored up. Hallelujah. In reserve. You know, just recently, a couple of days ago, I called the uh, company where I have my grandchildren's trust funds. I've been investing in all these years. Uh, three oldest grandchildren, they've already received their trust fund when they reached 21. And uh, Madison is, is next in line. And I called and I withdrew her money for her trust fund that, that I pledged to do each, to each of my grandchildren. My great-granddaughter who's only eight months old, she's already got a trust fund. And she don't even know what a trust fund is. But it's in reserve. And I've been adding to it every month. Soon she will discover, like Mark James did when he was just a little boy, when he found out I had a trust fund for him, he said, Papa, when did I get it? I said, when you're 21. He said, oh, Papa, that's a long time. I said, yeah, but you'll be glad when it happens. He got to where he was calling me 
every week, wanting to know how much interest it's earned. <laughs> but little Liberty Carolyn Savelle does not even know she has a trust fund. She's just now learning to say Papa. <laughs> but it's in reserve. It's stored up. And the day is coming when she'll be able to tap into it. Madison is about to tap into hers. Dylan will be after that. Hallelujah. And then Bryn, and then Kai, and then little Liberty. (laughs) Folks, God has established a trust fund full of his goodness, full of good things that we don't even know about. Things which have not been seen, things which have not been heard, things which have not entered into the heart of man. God has planned it for you and me. Well, folks, I don't need this when I get to heaven. I need it right now. In fact, I need it now more than I've ever needed it before. We're living in some strange times. Who knows what will happen? Of course, by the time a lot of people see this message, it will have already passed. But who knows what's going to happen after January the 20th? If they do everything they say they're going to do, you better know how to operate in the God kind of faith. Amen. You better learn this real quick if you haven't learned it already. Amen. And then you too will be able to say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I believe. I believe the word of God. And God has planned and stored up his goodness for me and my house. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God in advance for it. Let's thank him for it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And let me remind you that in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10, God says, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my purpose. The message translation says, I'm in this for the long haul. And I'll do exactly what I set out to do. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God's in this for the long haul? I'll do exactly what I set out to do. And then verse 11 says, I've planned it so it's as good as done. I've planned it so it's as good as done. Well, I'm going to stop right there. And we'll take it up here next Sunday. And you don't want to miss it. Because the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. But let's, let's determine if you've already learned the principles of operating in the God kind of faith, this is not the time to let go of them. Amen. This is the time to cling to them like never before. If this is your first time hearing it, then I encourage you, get all the messages you possibly can on the subject of faith and devour them. It won't take you 52 years to get it. Didn't take me 52 years to get it. I got it right first time I heard it and began to study it and practice it. And I've been living that way for 52 years. But you can, you can, you can 
You can devour it. Amen. If you've never heard of Kenneth Hagin before, it'd do you good to go online and get some of his books and get some of his messages and listen to them faithfully. I hardly go on any trip where I don't have, and I don't, I don't know how to do this stuff. I'm not savvy with all this modern equipment, technology, but I know how to believe God for people in my office who do. <laughs> I said, download all my Kenneth Hagin messages. Download all my Kenneth Copeland messages, especially the early days. Download all my Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne, John Osteen, Charles Capps messages. I can carry everything these men knew in my shirt pocket with an iPod. Put that earphones in my ear, and I'm telling you, faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. That's the reason I don't get rattled by what I'm hearing in the news. Because I know God's got something up his sleeve that's a whole lot better than what they're saying. Come on, give the Lord a great shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand to our feet real quick. Hallelujah. I don't do this to embarrass anybody. So everybody close your eyes so you won't see. Thank you, Father. I speak over this abundant overflow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, sir. Close your eyes. Don't want to embarrass anybody. If you have been on the verge of fainting, dejected, depressed, troubled in your mind, in your heart, there's power and agreement. We can pray for you today. Now, I can't do your homework for you. I can't come to your house and make you get in the Word. You're going to have to do that on your own. But I can set myself in agreement with you. So if you want the prayer of agreement to be free from that, hold up your hand right now. All right, you can put your hand down. Everybody reach over and touch somebody. Father, in the name of Jesus, there are people in here this morning who've indicated that They have been on the verge of fainting. But we pray for them right now that the word they've heard this morning will bring encouragement, will bring hope, will bring faith, will lift their spirits and cause them to become motivated to get in your word like never before. I pray in Jesus' name they'll leave here with a joy in their heart, a dance in their step, an excitement over what you have planned for the days ahead. And we give you praise, Heavenly Father, that regardless of what we can see and what we hear, we believe your hand is still on this nation. And we believe that this nation will not be destroyed. It will not go under. We believe 
that the blessing of the Lord is upon it. And we believe that its finest days are not behind it, but just ahead of it. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody give him your best shout. Hallelujah.